0: My name is Serena Acker, and I'm honored to serve as an elder here at Common Ground Northeast. Andrea, Tara, Molly, Mary, and Linda. These are the names of just a few of the women in my life who have all struggled with infertility. Andrea's eggs weren't viable. Tara could get pregnant, but she was unable to sustain a pregnancy. Molly had two sons, but then suddenly battled infertility as they tried for their third. Mary had six, count them, six miscarriages, with no explanation. Linda couldn't get pregnant with no explanation as to why, so she gave up her dream of ever becoming a mom. These women all have different stories, but they share a common thread, a desire to have a baby. For many, infertility is a source of pain and shame, Frustration and disappointment, financial drain and exhaustion. Jonathan and I felt those things as we battled infertility for four years. Thankfully, our story ended with a child, but waiting and trusting in God's timing is hard because His timing often is not our own. Today, we are going to be looking at the life of Elizabeth in the Bible, who knew all too well the pain and the discouragement of infertility and the importance of trusting God's timing. If you were with us last week, then you know that we are in a series called The Women of Advent, during which we are celebrating the role of women as we celebrate the birth of Christ. Today, we are going to look at Elizabeth, who is part of the Christmas story, though she often gets overshadowed by Mary. Admittedly, we don't know a lot about Elizabeth. We know that she's the wife of Zechariah, And the only place that she and her story show up in the Bible is Luke chapter 1. So that's where we're going to be today. Elizabeth and her husband are described in Luke 1.6 as being righteous before God, walking before him blamelessly by obeying all of his commandments and ordinances. What a beautiful description. I want to be described that way, don't you? (laughs) Scripture goes on to tell us that Zechariah and Elizabeth were childless and they were very old. We don't know exactly how old they are. Lifespans were drastically different back in Bible times, so she could have been anywhere from middle age to older age. But regardless of exactly how old she was, we know that she was well past childbearing years. Now, to our 21st century minds, infertility might not sound like that big of a deal because we have so many treatments available today. But that wasn't the case in Bible times. People of this time viewed children as a blessing from the Lord. And it was a duty and a calling of a woman to provide children, especially a son. So if a couple experienced infertility, people automatically assumed that they had some unconfessed sin in their life or that God was somehow displeased with them, though we know that that's not true because verse 6 just told us that they were righteous before God. Elizabeth lived so many years as a barren woman that it likely would have defined her life. There were undoubtedly years of praying and trying and waiting and hoping, but by her age, those days would have been past. Regardless, it was still likely a point of shame for her and Zechariah until an angel appeared to Zechariah and told him that in spite of their age, they were going to get pregnant and their son would be a forerunner of the Messiah. Let's continue in Luke 1. It tells us that Zechariah was serving as a priest before God. Verse 9 says he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood. Let's pause there for a moment. Casting lots could be compared to rolling dice. Now, we don't know exactly what method was used, but we know that the Jews did not view it as chance. They really believed that God had a hand in the outcome. So at that time, there were literally thousands of priests. So a priest could only expect to offer a sacrifice or burn incense once or twice in their lifetime. This... Was Zechariah's time, So on this particular day, he, go, he was the winner of the dice roll. He used to go into the temple and to burn incense. Only the priest was allowed into the area of the temple called the Holy of Holies, which is where the altar of incense was held. So Zechariah goes in like normal. He's not expecting to encounter an angel. <laughs> so you can imagine his surprise when he sees this celestial being. Verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. It's a typical response for people in the Bible when they see an angel. Oftentimes, the first words out of an angel's mouth are, don't be afraid. Doesn't this make you wonder how amazing angels must be? So the angel comforts him in verse 13. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Then he goes on to reassure him that your prayer has been answered. But what prayer? Zechariah is an old man. He has prayed all kinds of prayers over the years. Admittedly, his prayers for a child were likely something that frequented his prayers at one point. But as the years went by and they got older, I doubt that prayer continued. The angel goes on, Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Hello, what future parent doesn't want to hear that about their child? Then an angel includes a few details about John that I find interesting. The first is that he is never to take wine or any other fermented drink. Can you imagine John learning that he actually can't have a glass of wine, and he's doomed to always be the designated driver? That's a a joke. Abstaining from wine showed a special devotion to God. John was to be set apart. The angel also says that John would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we think of being filled with the Holy Spirit as someone who turns to the Lord and repents. So how could this be with a baby? What the angel was saying is that John was being anointed for a special purpose. He had a special calling on his life. So Zechariah is in the temple and he encounters this angel who tells him he's going to be a father. I can just picture his face of confusion trying to process what he just heard. Wait, I'm going to be a dad? Wait, what? It's not exactly what he said, but it actually was kind of close. Luke 1.18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years, which is a totally reasonable response, except it stemmed in doubt. Zechariah's disbelief, disbelief caused, cost him greatly. The angel responds, I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you the good news, and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day that this happens, because you did not believe my words. Essentially, Zechariah was punished for his disbelief. He couldn't grasp what God was doing, and so he was given a period of silent reflection. The Bible told us that he was righteous, and yet he clearly still needed to learn to trust God and what God was telling him. If we keep reading, I kind of get a kick out of Luke 121. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. Only the priest offering the sacrifice would be allowed Um, to be in the Holy of Holies. So they're standing outside looking at their watches like, what is taking so long? When Zechariah finally comes out, he's unable to speak. So I imagine him trying to describe what happened, not only just to the priests outside, but then later on to his wife. It probably looked like some early form of charades of like, uh, I don't know. And wouldn't you know what the angel prophesied came true? Verse 24 says, After this, Elizabeth became pregnant. When God chose Elizabeth to bear John the Baptist, her life changed. Her reputation as a woman who was barren was suddenly changed into now a miraculous pregnancy. I can only imagine her delight. Elizabeth's response was one of praise and thanksgiving to God. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. She gives all the glory back to God. Within the next month, an angel appeared to Mary to tell her that she would be with child as the mother of Jesus. You've probably heard that story once or twice, so we're going to fast forward to Luke 1.39, which tells us that Mary, after she found out she was pregnant, got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Let's pause here for a moment. Mary was in Galilee, Elizabeth is in Judea, which is about 80 miles away. It probably would have taken three to four days for her to actually get to Elizabeth. So Mary took great lengths to try to get to her. It's speculated that she did so because her life was in danger. As an unwed teenage mother, her fiancé's family could have killed her. So as much as she wanted to share this good news of her pregnancy with Elizabeth, she also may have been fleeing for her life. Elizabeth is a kinswoman or a relative of Mary. We don't know exactly how they're related. It's speculated that they were cousins. But if that's true, there's a pretty big age gap because Mary was just betrothed and Elizabeth was well past childbearing years. Regardless, we know that they are related. I'm guessing that Mary's arrival came as a surprise to Elizabeth We live in a day and age of constant communication, but Mary couldn't just pick up the phone and text Elizabeth saying, Hey, I'm coming over. So Mary shows up, and this is what happened in verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. It's interesting to me that Mary didn't say anything more than a greeting, but Elizabeth knew from the Holy Spirit that Mary was pregnant. Now, I want to point out there that there are about 87 things that Elizabeth could have said. Girl, what are you going to do? What are people going to think? Have you thought about Joseph in this whole thing? And if they were going through her mind, she didn't say them. Instead, she speaks words of blessing over Mary. Elizabeth is so overwhelmed that she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. The whole scene is full of joy. I imagine them jumping and squealing and laughing as women do when we get good news. Notice, too, that Elizabeth calls Jesus as her Lord before he was even born. She knew from the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth was around six months pregnant about this time, and the scripture tells us that Mary stayed about three months, so presumably until Elizabeth gave birth. Verse 57 is when the big day arrived. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. Elizabeth insisted that his name be John, as the angel prescribed, even though no one in their family had that name. At that time, it was expected, really, for a son to be named after his father or his grandfather. So not only would he carry on the name, he would then also carry on the legacy of work as well. So had John been named little Zek, as everyone presumed, he would have been expected to grow up and be a priest like his dad. So by insisting that the child be named John, Elizabeth and Zechariah were renouncing their family and their work for the next generation. You can see how Elizabeth and Zechariah were told... So even though they were told what to name their son, you could see how this could cause quite a stir in that culture. But Elizabeth and Zechariah remained firm in their decision. When Zechariah wrote on a tablet confirming that the baby's name was to be John, all of a sudden he was able to speak. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied that his son would one day be a prophet of the Most High, preparing the way for the Messiah. So essentially, that's the story of Elizabeth. Elizabeth. She was barren until she was old, and God miraculously made her pregnant. She was a faithful and prophetic woman of God who played a key role in events surrounding the birth of Jesus. Her story is worth paying attention to. I'd like to highlight a few lessons I think we can learn from old Liz. Lesson number one, God provides. As we look at Mary and Elizabeth, one was young, Mary was probably 13 or 14 years old, and one was much older. God, in his amazing grace, put these two people together. They were walking parallel paths with their angelic visions and their miraculous pregnancies. Mary was blessed, I am sure, to have the gift of an older woman walking with her through this. And as a barren woman, Elizabeth knew what it was like to be whispered about, to be feeling outside of the norm of society, to have her life not turn out exactly like she wanted. Elizabeth was uniquely equipped to be a supportive shoulder for Mary. When I was battling infertility, it was a gift for me to be able to spend time with women who understood. They had been through the battery of tests, the pain of the shots, the roller coaster of emotions every month. When I finally got pregnant, I was blessed to be pregnant at the same time of one of my good friends. So it was so comforting to be able to text her when my clothes weren't fitting and the aches and the pains and the swollen ankles, all that came with it. It was such a gift to know that she knew. I could talk to my husband about it, but she understood. She could, imp- she could empathize, not just sympathize. God provided miracle babies for Mary and Elizabeth, and he provided the support and encouragement they needed to get through the season. Lesson number two, God's timing is perfect. From an earthly perspective, God's timing probably seemed off, with Mary's pregnancy coming way too early and Elizabeth's coming way too late as a woman who has already probably been through menopause. But clearly, God had a plan. When Elizabeth found out she was pregnant, she could have questioned God's timing. Really, God? You're going to allow me to get pregnant now? She could have complained that God waited too long, because this pregnancy is going to be a lot harder on her body as an older person. And as an older mom, would she even live long enough to see her child fulfill his destiny? But Elizabeth didn't do any of those things that we know of. Rather, she turned and offered praise back to God. She rejoiced over the blessing that she was given, even though it wasn't in her preferred timing. Mary trusted God's timing too. Her response could have been, pregnant? I'm not even married. What is Joseph going to think? But instead, her response was, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Is there an area of your life where you are trying to trust that God's timing is perfect? Perhaps you're in a season of waiting, which is what Advent is all about. Maybe you too are waiting for a baby or a husband or healing or the reconciliation in a relationship, and maybe your circumstances look hopeless, like Elizabeth. Mary and Elizabeth trusted that God's timing was perfect, even when it didn't make sense to them. Lesson number three, God can do the impossible. Do you think that your situation is hopeless? Let me remind you that God can do the impossible. As a virgin, it should have been impossible for Mary to become pregnant. Similarly, if Elizabeth had been through menopause, her body would be incapable of bearing a child. God makes a way when there is no way. Remember Andrea, my friend, whose eggs weren't viable? She thought it would be impossible for her to become pregnant. Until she did, with the help of an egg donor, she successfully carried and gave birth to my twin nieces. Molly battled infertility after her two sons. It seemed impossible for God to add to their family, so they turned to foster care. They're currently in the process of adopting two of their foster children, who their biological sons adore. After six miscarriages, a successful pregnancy seemed unlikely for Mary, but her seventh was successful. Her daughter, Abby, was my best friend in Kindergarten. Tara couldn't sustain a pregnancy, so it seemed impossible that she would have a biological child until her sister-in-law offered to be her surrogate. Tara's sister-in-law is currently pregnant, and Tara's baby is due in June. Linda, whose inability to get pregnant was unexplained, gave up on her dream of being a mom because it just seemed impossible. Until one day, she received a phone call from her gynecologist, who obviously knew of her struggles with infertility. The doctor said that someone had abandoned a baby. Would she want it? In each of these circumstances, God provided. It wasn't in the timing or the way that my friends wanted, but God made a way when there was no way. Here's where I want to acknowledge that not every barren woman ends up with a baby. If you are waiting for a child this season, I want to reassure you that God sees you. He hears your prayers and he knows the longings of your heart. My prayer for you is that you can hold that hope, that desire for a baby with the truth that God is good and he has a plan and his timing is perfect, even when it's really hard. We serve a God who can make a postmenopausal woman and a virgin both pregnant, We serve a God who makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. We serve a God who makes donkeys speak and men who doubt, like Zechariah, become silent. We serve a God who raised Jesus from the dead. He can do the impossible. Whatever your struggle, it comes down to this. Do you trust him? Do you really trust him? Do you trust that his ways are better than your ways? That his timing is perfect and more better than your own? Do you trust that he will provide? Do you trust that he's, he will do all that he says he will do? Friends, take heart. We serve a God who has a plan. I can't guarantee that your prayer will be answered in the way that you want or in your desired timing, but I can tell you this: God will provide. His timing is perfect. And he can do the impossible. Amen. Will you pray with me? God, I just thank you so much for the story of Elizabeth and for her life and the lessons that we can take from that. Lord, I ask for forgiveness um, on behalf of all of us for the times that we think that our timing is best and we can get angry and and blame you during those times. So, Father, increase our faith and our trust um, in your goodness and in your timing and knowing that that is best in your name. Amen.